This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where state officials, including the governor, are positively giddy about the COVID-19 vaccines being distributed in a handful of hospitals. Around this time, or actually probably Sunday, Monday into Tuesday of next week, we'll be getting about 367,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine. But Ron DeSantis says there's a problem with the Pfizer vaccine. Florida may not get 450,000 doses they were expecting next week and the following week. The health department reported 9,400 new cases of coronavirus Tuesday and 94 additional fatalities. Florida's death toll is now 20,365. Shortly after those numbers were announced, the governor held a press conference at Florida's oldest steakhouse where he encouraged people to dine out, implying restaurants may actually be safer than your home. The vast, vast majority of infections are occurring in people's homes, particularly if you have people getting together. So closing a restaurant for indoor dining is going to lead to more people doing that in private homes anyways. The COVID crisis has driven many Florida families to the brink of bankruptcy, eviction, or foreclosure, but it's been a great time for the state retirement fund. They are making bank during the pandemic. The Florida Retirement Trust Fund uh, calendar year to date is up 10.32%. That's 84 basis points ahead of target. The balance stands at $179.8 billion. That's uh, $10 billion ahead of where we started the calendar year. On today's Sunrise interview, you'll hear about a basketball game that was canceled because administrators at two prep schools in South Florida apparently did not want the players wearing shirts that said Black Lives Matter. Once administration got wind of the fact that the entire team, not just their team, but members also of the other team, the team down in Plantation, once they got wind of the fact that uh, they were going to wear those T-shirts, uh, they canceled the game. State Representative Omari Hardy is asking administrators at the American Heritage Prep Schools in Delray Beach and Plantation to confront racism instead of censoring players. We'll also have your calendar of events and a couple of stories of Florida man and Florida woman. She tried to escape the law by jumping into a canal. He was killed while breaking into a house when the window fell on his neck. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, December 16th. On this date in 1773, the Boston Tea Party took place as American colonialists boarded a British ship and dumped more than 300 chests of tea into Boston Harbor. This is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. It's also Barbie and Barney Backlash Day, which was set aside to deny the very existence of Barbie dolls and Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Five Florida hospital systems have now received the first shipments of the Pfizer vaccine for COVID-19, and they are game changers. But Governor Ron DeSantis says as many as 450,000 future doses of that vaccine may not arrive this month after all. We've received almost 180,000 doses. Uh, those are going to be um, administered at some of the frontline healthcare workers and nursing home residents. When we were initially planning this, uh, we were planning on getting this 180,000 doses of Pfizer. Uh, next week, initially, uh, we thought we'd get about 200,000 additional Pfizer doses. And then the third week of December, or the last week of December, the third week of these shipments, we were scheduled to get about 250,000. Those week two and three shipments of Pfizer are, are basically uh, on hold right now. We're just not sure with the production. Uh, they've removed it from the system that they're using, Tiberius. Uh, so we're looking for that. Obviously, we need to plan for that because there's only so many places that can store this at neg negative 70 degrees. Now, the good news is Moderna, uh, they just published the, the data. It's 95% effective and uh, that is going to be on the FDA advisory committee on Thursday. 
and then we'll likely get EUA on Fridays. And so if that's the case, then around this time, or actually probably Sunday, Monday into Tuesday of next week, we'll be getting about 367,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine. Now that does not require negative 70 degree storage, and it's something that um, normal, normal freeze, uh, it is two doses as well. Pfizer's 21 days, Moderna's 28 days in between doses. But if we get the Pfizer to come through, and then what we're getting in Moderna, which is about 510,000 over the last two weeks of December, you're then looking at a total number of shots in Florida would be for December 1.16 million. If you take out the almost 500,000 of Pfizer, which is still up in the air, that obviously puts us closer to 700,000. So uh, we'll be prepared either way, uh, but I really hope if we get the 1.16 million, we looked at this, be able to do frontline healthcare workers, you'd be able to do nursing home residents, you'd be able to do a lot of nursing home staff, and then really start to get it in to the elderly population as a whole, because ultimately uh, we need to provide this for elderly. And that's what we're going to be really focusing on uh, once we get over these initial shipments, get the health care, get some of the other stuff. The governor will be holding another news conference today to talk about distributing vaccines at nursing homes and long-term care. Florida's Department of Health confirmed 9,411 additional cases of COVID-19 Tuesday. That increases the statewide total to almost 1,144,000. They also reported 94 new fatalities, increasing the official death toll to 20,365. The governor held another COVID conference Tuesday afternoon, but he did not mention the casualties. He spoke at the Okeechobee Steakhouse, where the governor basically invited everyone to dine out by insisting that restaurants are probably safer than your average home. At a time when folks in our service industries, particularly uh, restaurants, uh, lodging and hospitality, uh, have kind of taken it on the chin, particularly in some other states where they've been completely shut down, uh, we just want to send the message, you know, some may want to shut you down, we want to pull you up. We've got your back if you're somebody who's a waitress or a cook or you're a family-owned business. You're an important part of our state. Uh, you're working folks who are working hard to make a living. You have every right to do that, uh, and you can take it to the bank in the state of Florida. You're going to have that right uh, defended uh, by the governor. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk when it comes to COVID about uh, kind of infections and tracing and everything. And at the beginning of this, restaurants in particular were singled out as kind of like this is a place that's really problematic. Most of the contact tracing that's been done has restaurants as very low in terms of where these infections can be traced to. New York just did their uh, big one and put it out, I think yesterday or the day before, and they had 1.4% of infections traced to restaurants uh, and bars. So it doesn't mean you can't, uh, can't happen here, um, but I think we have to understand the vast, vast majority of infections are occurring in people's homes, particularly if you have people getting together. So closing a restaurant for indoor dining is going to lead to more people doing that in private homes anyways. But here's the thing. Uh, even if you think that it's more than just 1.4%, uh, the appropriate response to that is to inform people uh, about situations where you may have um, you know, a higher risk, not to shut down. The White House Coronavirus Task Force report for the Sunshine State recommends stricter measures for stopping the virus, including the use of a mask at all times in public, increased physical distancing by reducing capacity or even closing indoor spaces at bars and restaurants. Governor DeSantis says neither will happen while he's in charge.
The COVID crisis has been a nightmare for people who work in the service industry, but the state retirement fund has prospered. Ash Williams at the Department of Administration says they paid out more than $6 billion worth of benefits this year and still made a $10 billion profit. And the new vaccines are making a huge difference on the bottom line. The Florida Retirement Trust Fund uh, calendar year to date is up 10.32%. That's 84 basis points ahead of target. The balance stands at $179.8 billion. That's uh, $10 billion ahead of where we started the calendar year. And that is net of distributions of $6 billion for benefit payments. All right. Overlay the vaccine on top of what you're seeing in the financial markets. Uh, you mean what? What's the impact of the vaccine coming? It's super positive. Obviously, the 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 markets have rocketed on the strength of the vaccines coming out and the incredible efficacy of all the vaccines that have been announced is terrific. And I think the fact that Florida is a priority state for receipt and we've had some pretty high level executive involvement in ensuring that the vaccine gets here and gets out. And we have obviously Florida's emergency capability is among the best in the country and having our Division of Emergency Management in the middle of that exercise, I think is going to be great. So we're going to see the vaccine here distributed with appropriate priority, a high level of discipline, high level of operational efficiency. It's got to be good. The question for the financial markets is, do the markets maintain their focus on a post-vaccine COVID business environment, or do they get rattled by the short-term acceleration and contagion we're seeing? There were two items in the news this morning worthy of note. A couple of major cities, one in the U.S. at least, New York and London, also are talking about going back to some sort of severe restriction of activity based on the contagion they're seeing. Remains to be seen what happens with that. The other thing is there was some mention made, I want to say in the U.K. or Western Europe, about there possibly being a mutant version of the virus that might be contributing to the acceleration of contagion over there, not in the U.S. Who knows where any of that goes? But from a market standpoint, longer term, there's no question the vaccine is great, great news. Mm -hmm. And the quicker we can get it out there and prudently and properly prioritize, the better off we all are. Williams made those remarks at Tuesday's cabinet meeting. When they were done, the governor spent 15 minutes taking questions from reporters. Kudos for that, Gov. And longtime Capitol reporter Steve Bosque tried once again to get DeSantis to acknowledge Joe Biden's win over Donald Trump. You accept Joe Biden as the president-elect and you congratulate him? It's not, for me, it's not for me to do. Well, here's what I would say. You know, obviously we did our thing in Florida. The college voted. You know, we, we're, what's going to happen is going to happen. Um, but I, I can tell you, I think a lot of the frustration for folks that supported the president was, um, you know, we were four years with no people not accepting him. I mean, Hillary, the last week of the election, was saying Putin stole it. Um, and, and I just think that that's left a lot of people uh, really frustrated with, with how it's going to go. But, um, you know, we're going to do the job for Florida. We're going to push ahead. We'll work with whoever, whoever we need to uh, to be able to do right by the state of Florida. The governor never did use the phrase President-elect Joe Biden, but we will let you know when he decides to acknowledge reality. Next up on the Sunrise interview, the story of a women's high school basketball game that was canceled after administrators got word that players on both teams would be wearing shirts that said Black Lives Matter during the pregame warm-up. A newly elected state representative calls it censorship in defense of racism. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. 
As the number of COVID-19 cases are increasing, the potential collision of COVID-19 and the flu virus could lead to a new word Floridians do not want to use, twindemic. That is why Florida Blue, the Florida Hospital Association, and the Florida Medical Association have joined forces to encourage Floridians to get their flu vaccine today. Visit floridablue.com, fha.org, or flmedical.org to learn more and support a flu-free Florida. Welcome back to the Sunrise Interview. Our guest today is Representative Omari Hardy of West Palm Beach, who is urging the American Heritage Prep Schools in Delray Beach and Plantation to address concerns about systematic racism that were raised by members of the women's basketball team at American Heritage Delray. What happened was that um, uh, there was a racist incident in virtual class. One of the attendees of the class logged in uh, using the name Black's Smell. Several other uh, attendees logged in uh, using, you know, the names Trump 2020 and, uh, you know, MAGA, you know, stuff like that. And um, there was an African-American student in the class who uh, was offended and I think had a right to be offended. And um, uh, she plays on the basketball team and her teammate, uh, Jordana uh, Codio, who is, uh, you know, standout basketball player who's committed to go to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, she and her African American uh, you know, teammate who was who was in that class basically wanted answers. They wanted the school to get to the bottom of it, and they wanted the school to take action that would reflect a culture of zero tolerance for bigotry and for racism. Um, the folks who were affected and offended by it, the African American students at uh, and, and other students of color at uh, American Heritage Delray, and also um, the young woman's teammates, not just Jordana, but they were they were pretty upset by it. They didn't feel that administration, um, you know, went far enough to uh, address the issue. And you know, they also understand that you know the administration is hostile to you know the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, at the uh, next game, Jordana and uh, Cody Hessian, uh, they wore Black Lives Matter T-shirts uh, during warmups. And uh, after that. The athletic director, you know, one of the administrators, pressured the uh, head coach there, Coach Studley, uh, to basically tell the girls that they can't wear the Black Lives Matter T-shirts uh, again. Um, the athletic director threatened to, you know, basically gave them an ultimatum. <laughs> you know, you tell the girls to knock it off or I'll fire you. Um, that's what has been related to me. And the girls were insistent on making this statement. Uh, more of them, like their entire team, were going to wear the Black Lives Matter t-shirts for warm-ups in a highly, highly anticipated game against their sister school, American Heritage Plantation. So, you know, when these young women decided to, you know, wear these t-shirts in defiance of their school's administration, uh, they were really standing up for themselves and they were taking a risk. And so once administration got wind of the fact that the entire team, not just their team, but members also of the other team, the team down in Plantation, once they got wind of the fact that uh, they were going to wear these T-shirts, uh, they canceled the game. They are saying, the administration, that the reason they canceled the game had nothing to do with these T-shirts, which they maintain are uniform code violations. Uh, they say uh, that they canceled these games because of COVID-19 and because of spiking positivity rates. I find that to be curious, uh, just nonsensical. No one on the team tested positive for COVID. 
they just canceled the game without even telling anyone why. There was no immediate reason that they gave for canceling the game. And, you know, you can talk to the coach who has said that he stands by his players uh, and, and who has defended his players and their parents. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that the administration put pressure on these players who are children <laughs> to uh, shut up and dribble. And you and, describe this as censorship and defensive racism. Yes, that's what it is to me. I don't know how else to interpret it. You have young girls who aren't just doing this out of the blue. They're responding to something that happened uh, at school. And they're responding to the administration's uh, lack of response to their negligence in dealing with this matter. They're doing something that's peaceful. It's not ridiculously obtrusive. It's, it's not a terrible distraction. Uh, you wear shirts during warm-ups. This time, they happened to wear a shirt that had a message. It wasn't a vulgar message. It didn't have any profanity. Uh, it is a, uh, a message affirming the value of black lives. And, you know, for some reason, the administrators at the school simply can't handle that. And so rather than allowing them to just speak their piece, they decided, it appears, to cancel this game to silence these young women. And they ended up magnifying their message and drawing more attention to these young women and their cause than they would have if they simply let them wear the T-shirts. And uh, it's my understanding that the parents tried to work with the administration. They said, okay, if you're, if you're stuck on this uniform violation uh, issue, then we have a banner. We could print a banner that says Black Lives Matter, and we could just hang it in the gym. Uh, uh, my understanding that the administration refused that as well. So it, it's not just about the uniform uh, you know, violation, the supposed uniform violation. Um, it's about young women who uh, had to deal with racism at their school and who wanted to speak up about it and who were being silenced by the adults at their school who they should be able to trust to handle this matter in a more appropriate way. Um, that's what it's about. Also, if it's about COVID and not, uh, you know, the fact that these young women are about to draw attention to an issue at the school, if it's really about COVID, why are they playing a game tonight? <laughs> what's, what's so different with respect to COVID-19 uh, uh, today uh, then, you know, last week, it doesn't make any sense. Rather than tolerating the speech of these young ladies, rather than tolerating their protests, rather than allowing them to peaceably protest, the administration at this school is using their incredible power in relation to these young women uh, to silence them and to take away their voice and also to intimidate them. I don't think that's appropriate. I think it's antithetical to the, to, you know, to the values that this country that we're founded on. And so this is not just about a single incident. It's about a culture. It's about a culture at a school. And it's about the day-to-day -day experience of these young women. And it's about finally having an opportunity to address it, not just for the students today, but for the future American heritage students of color so that they won't have to experience what these young women experienced. Representative Hardy is a freshman in the Florida House, where Speaker Chris Sproul says he wants to end the so-called cancel culture. Hardy says the cancellation of that basketball game would be a good place to start. 
Your calendar of events gets off to an early start. At 8, the governor and members of the Florida cabinet meet as the Board of Executive Clemency. The Board of Governors of Citizens Property Insurance meets online at 9. The Lee County Legislative Delegation meets at 9 in Fort Myers. The Seminole County Legislative Delegation meets at 9 in Sanford. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission starts a two-day online meeting at 9. They're expected to finalize an order suspending wild oyster harvesting in Apalachicola Bay. The Commission on Offender Review meets by conference call at 9. Trustees at Valencia College meet at 9.30 in Orlando. The Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. The Public Service Commission holds a hearing at 9.30 about a proposed rate increase in Lake County. The Palm Beach County Legislative Delegation holds a public hearing at 10 in Delray Beach. The Board of the Northwest Florida Water Management District holds a conference call at 10.30. The Commission for the Transportation Disadvantage meets online at 1.30. At 2, the Florida Supreme Court holds a ceremonial session to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, guaranteeing women the right to vote. And at 6, the Public Service Commission holds a hearing about a proposed rate increase by McLeod Garden Utilities, which provides water service in Polk County. Deputies in Lee County say a Florida man died while trying to burglarize a house. The incident report says 32-year-old Jonathan Hernandez was climbing through the window of a home in Lehigh Acres when it slammed down on his neck and trapped him. He was dead when deputies arrived. His friends, family, and fiancé say they do not believe Hernandez was breaking in. They're demanding a full investigation of his death. And finally today, a Florida woman is busted after crashing into a tree and jumping into a canal to escape the law. Lee County deputies say 35-year-old Crystal Whitney of North Fort Myers drove her car between two houses before she hit the tree. They found her swimming in the nearby canal, trying to hide in the mangroves. Charges are pending, including resisting arrest and leaving the scene of a crash. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.